That was awesome. Well, tonight, this Christmas Eve, we're going to return to a story that many of you are familiar with. And it's the story of Jesus' birth that we find in Luke chapter 2. And so you'll find it in your bulletin, you'll find it on the screen behind me, and many of you have probably heard this story before. But as we hear it again, I want to invite you to hear it with fresh ears and to receive it with an open heart this morning. This evening. That's been happening all day. Here's what we find in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, I don't know about you, but I will never forget Christmas as a child. Because every year we would go as a family to Conyers First United Methodist Church, and we would read together this story once again from Luke chapter 2. And then the, the preacher, he would kind of go on and on and on, and I'd be ready to get home. But we would light our candles, and then we'd blow them out, and then I would go home and I would get in bed, but I wouldn't go to sleep, right? You know this. I would sit in my bed all night long with that anticipation, with that excitement for Christmas morning, because I knew that on Christmas morning, Santa Claus was going to come, and he was going to visit me, and he was probably going to bring me some great stuff. And I knew that this was going to happen every single year because Santa Claus and I, we were pretty tight. Because every year from when I was zero until 13 years old, I went and saw Santa Claus at the same place at the same time every year. And I actually have a picture here from my 12th birthday. That's me on the right if you don't recognize me. That's me on the right on my, my 12th year of life sitting on his lap. 
And every year he would ask us the same things. He would ask us what we wanted for Christmas, and then he would say, hey, have you been obeying your parents? Have you been brushing your teeth? And have you been saying your prayers? And every year, whether it had happened or not, I would say, yeah, I have, because I wanted to get stuff from Santa Claus. And so uh, that year, I asked him for a mountain bike. And that Christmas morning, I got a red and yellow 21-speed mountain bike, and it was amazing. And when I think back to my childhood, I think back to how in those days Christmas was full of awe and wonder and excitement and happiness. And I know that some of you, when you come here today, you've already been spending time with family, that you're experiencing those same things, that you're experiencing the excitement of Christmas, the joy of Christmas. You're experiencing joy because you have time off work. You're experiencing some happiness because you finally have your extended family together in one place and you can gather around the Christmas tree and celebrate. Some of you, you're you're joyful because you get to spend some time in the kitchen making Christmas cookies and doing other traditions and things you love. But here's the thing, I know also because it's already Christmas Eve night that if you've already been cooking, you've already been cleaning and packing your house and hosting people and getting together all the packages that you probably had a little stress in your life too, amen? Okay, y'all are good. Y'all aren't stressed out at all. That's nice. So y'all might not be able to relate to this family here. I came across this picture online. I don't know what that baby's doing. But you know, for a lot of us, this is actually what Christmas brings. It brings stress. It brings time with family members that maybe we're not that excited to spend time with. It brings obligations, it brings Christmas parties. Christmas can sometimes bring notifications. Hey, guess what? Some assembly is required and your package is going to be delayed. And for some of us, Christmas means actually extended work hours, not time off from work. And so Christmas can actually stir up a lot of stress inside of us as well. For some of us, that's what Christmas brings. But mixed in with that stress, for some of us, Christmas also brings grief and sadness. Because every year we kind of have these ritualized traditions that we do. And so when we come upon a year where one of our loved ones is no longer with us, Christmas can be very difficult. It can be very tough. It can be difficult also when you don't have the money you'd like to get the kids the gifts that you want to get them. It can be tough when it's December 31st and all of the bills are due. Today in our lives, Christmas brings with it this excitement and this happiness. It brings with it stress and it also a lot of times brings grief and sadness and so much more. That's what Christmas brings today. It brings a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But this evening, what I feel like God wants us to know is what he meant for Christmas to truly bring to us. And we discover what Christmas was truly meant to bring when we return to this story in Luke chapter 2. And when we return to this story, we discover that what God really wants Christmas to bring to each of us is good news of great joy for all people. Good news of great joy for all people. This is what the angel came and said. This is what Luke tells us the angel said. And the angel said what Christmas really brings and what Christmas is really about, not in the hustle and bustle of Bethlehem, as everybody had to go and be taxed so that Caesar Augustus could build up his tax base. 
No, the message of what Christmas really brings, it didn't come to Caesar himself so that he could go send it out rapidly to the entire kingdom. The message of what Christmas really brings, it it didn't come to the religious people who were hanging out in the temple at that time. No, actually, it came to the shepherds. It came in the quietness and the stillness of night under a thousand stars. And now, if you're anything like me, when you think of a shepherd at Christmas... You probably have in your mind a little boy wearing a little headdress with a staff in his hand. Does anybody else have that image of a shepherd in their mind? That's what I think of when I think of a shepherd. Because I've never actually met a real live shepherd. But shepherds in those days, they were poor. They were uneducated. They smelled like the animals. They were kind of rough characters. And a lot of people didn't associate with shepherds in those days. Because the shepherds were often viewed as thieves. Because the shepherds were so poor, they couldn't afford their own land to graze the sheep on. And so they had to graze their sheep on other people's land. But people tolerated the shepherds because they needed something to eat. And because they needed lambs to sacrifice for the atonement of their sins. And so it's to this group of people that the angel comes and says, Today I bring you good news of great joy for all people. And the shepherds, they received this good news. They received the good news that a Messiah had been born. And a Messiah for them was the long-awaited Jewish ruler that they had looked forward to. A a new king, a new anointed one who was going to establish a new kingdom. And so they were looking forward to this and they were excited and they had great joy that the Messiah had come into the world. They received this good news that a Savior had come. Someone who could give them the gift of salvation. They received that and they received it and they had great joy and they went And they saw for themselves. They went and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. And they discovered that it was true. And they went with great joy. And they shared it with other people. And growing up, I was kind of fascinated with shepherds. And other characters of the nativity scene. Anybody here have over 30 nativity scenes in their houses? No? Okay, just my mom. Sorry, mom. Um, my mom loves nativities, and so we always had a lot of nativities. Actually, now in our house, it's our first Christmas together, and I feel like we have 15 already. But I loved nativities growing up, and my mom always let me set up our nativity. And I got to set up the nativity at my grandmother's house as well. And because I loved them so much, she later gifted me the nativity that was in my house growing up. And I have it here today, and I want to kind of pull it out and show it to you. But I know you might not be able to see it super well, so I'll also have it on the screen for you. But it had this cool nativity, and every year, I would kind of set it up in the same way. I would start with the Magi, also known as the wise men, and I would kind of put them at the edge of the scene. Because if you read closely in Matthew's Gospel, you'll find that they actually came into the picture later after Jesus was born. So I kind of put them at the outskirts of the scene. So you have them, and then you have some shepherds with little crooks, and then you have all the different animals like donkeys and and sheep and all of that kind of stuff. And then you also have, of course, Mary and Joseph. You see them. And then this, this scene, which was actually kind of surprising for people this morning, this nativity scene has a removable baby Jesus. Does anybody have a nativity scene with a removable baby Jesus? Okay, that's a next level nativity scene because 
Do y'all know why baby Jesus is removable? He's removable so that he's absent until Christmas Day. And then on Christmas Day, you put him in the nativity scene. So this is kind of an advanced one that I have, which I'm really proud of. As you can tell, I'm really excited by this. But this nativity scene was actually kind of unique. It has the angel, of course. But it also has a couple other random characters. Like this nativity scene, I don't know why, it has this random guy who is asleep. You kind of see him at the front edge here. I don't know what he's doing, but he is asleep at the nativity scene as the savior of the world is being born. And this nativity scene also has, you see her on the, right, the left-hand side there, has this random woman holding a duck. I don't know what she's doing in the scene, but she is there chilling with a duck. And so this is the scene I would set up every single year. And as Christmas got closer, I would, I would kind of tweak the different characters and straighten things up a little bit and move them around depending on how things were going. And it wasn't until setting this thing up for many, many years that I noticed something about it. What I noticed about this nativity scene was the great diversity of people who were there at the very first Christmas. I mean, because if you look, you have the Magi, the wise men, and they likely came from the East, and they likely weren't Jewish. They were likely part of Eastern religions. And they brought expensive gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and so they likely came from resources. And so you have these rich guys from way far off there. Then you also have the shepherds. You have poor shepherds who are at the bottom of society. They were present as well. And then you have Mary, who was a young virgin. And then you have Joseph. And now some traditions say Joseph was actually an older man. And so we don't really know Joseph's age. And you have all of these different characters. You have the animal. And all of them are focused on the baby Jesus. And all of them receive good news of great joy from that baby. I mean, the wise men, they received good news that there was something better than gold. There was something better than frankincense. There was something better than myrrh. And that was to have their sins taken away and to be washed white as snow. And they received the good news that actually that's a free gift from God that he wants to give to everybody. You have the shepherds, and the shepherds, they received good news that while in this world they were kind of at the bottom rung of the social ladder, in God's kingdom, they were actually going to be at the top because that's where the humble, that's where the meek, and that's where the lowly had their places. And Mary and Joseph, they discovered the good news that everything had changed, that the world had changed, and that the Son of God was living in their household, and that heaven had collided with earth. And whenever I look at this nativity scene, I can't help but think about how it was good news of great joy for all people and how the gospel of Jesus Christ and his arrival into this world is good news of great joy for you and for me as well. You see, Jesus' birth is good news for us because it means that when God looked down at this world and saw all of the brokenness, in the sin and the darkness. He didn't run from it. Instead, he stepped into it. And when he stepped into this world, he didn't step into this world to condemn us or to shame us or to pile more guilt upon us or other obligations on us. No, instead he stepped in this world so that we could be forgiven 
so that we could be saved, so that we could have a relationship of love with him. God stepped into this world to establish a new kingdom, a new way of being in this world that was full of hope, peace, love, and joy. And Jesus, as he grew up from this little baby into an adolescent and then to a man, I mean, Jesus faced everything that we face. He faced life's trials, life's temptations, and he came through them faithfully. Jesus, as he grew up, he showed us what it meant to love God and to love other people with all that we have. And ultimately, if you know the story, Jesus died on a cross for you and for me so that we could be forgiven of our sins and so that we could be reconciled with God so that we could have a new relationship with him. But that's not even the end of the story. The story continues because three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. And then he ascended into heaven where he now reigns, as the angel said, as Lord over all. And the good news is that Jesus offers us the gift of forgiveness, the gift of salvation, and the gift of eternal life through him by simply having faith and trusting that he was who the angels and who he said he was. That's good news, isn't it? That's good news, and it leads us to great joy because what we discover is that forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life, those are things that we can't buy. Those are things that no matter how many Dave Ramsey classes we take, no matter how long we save up, we can never purchase those things. Those things are all a free gift of grace from God that he wants to give to us. And this good news leads to great joy also because all of this is stuff that we couldn't do for ourselves. You see, no matter how many times we said we were sorry to God, it would never be enough. No matter how far up we wanted to climb to God and to get into His good graces, we could never make it. We could never bridge the gap between us and God. So what God decided to do was to step down and to bridge the gap Himself, to come and to save us and to rescue us. He came and did what we couldn't do for ourselves. And this good news leads to great joy when you receive it into your heart. And you know that you are forgiven. You're forgiven when you ask God for forgiveness for no matter what you do, for no matter what you've done. This is good news of great joy because it means that you can have the hope of eternal life with God and with all of the other loved ones who are in Christ in an eternal home forever. This scene in the life of Jesus brings us good news of great joy because it means that even when it looks dark in this world, that Jesus is one day going to return and he's going to set everything right and there will be complete light, complete healing, complete wholeness. That's the hope we have because of Jesus and that hope leads us to joy and it leads us to peace. And every year at Christmas, I don't know how Christmas is for you, but maybe you, maybe you come to church and then you, you go out to eat at a Chinese restaurant or Waffle House and then you go wake up early and open gifts the next day. And there, there's a lot of different traditions around Christmas. But this Christmas, I want to simply invite you to receive again the good news of Jesus Christ into your heart. Or if you've never received it, to simply say to Jesus this Christmas, I believe in you. And I want all of those gifts. Help me believe. 
help me receive those things. Because I don't know about you, when I kind of look at all of this scene, and I think about Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, I mean, it can all almost seem too good to be true, right? The fact that God loves everybody in this world seems a little far-fetched at times. The reality that the Savior of the world came as this little baby, that's kind of wild. The reality that there can be good news in the midst of our broken world, it all almost sounds too good to be true. And I bet when the shepherds encountered the angels that very first Christmas and the angel said to them what was going on, I bet they had a little bit of doubt as well. And I bet they weren't quite sure. But after the heavenly multitude sang praises of God over them and after they went to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes just as it had been told to them, they discovered that this was actually the truest thing in the world. This was the greatest news in the entire world. And so they went and they shared it with other people. And as they shared it with other people, they were amazed. And as they went and shared it with other people, they were amazed. And as they went and shared it with other people, they were amazed. And tonight, I have the privilege of sharing that same good news with you. And my hope for you and your family this Christmas is that you would receive that good news. That it would lead you to great joy that you'd be amazed and that you would go out from this place and you would go and share it with all people as well. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who came into this world and did what we couldn't do for ourselves. God, we thank you that no matter how far we run from you, God, no matter how messed up this world gets, that you haven't turned your back on this world, but instead you turn towards this world. And we thank you that you turned towards this world in Jesus Christ and that you gave him to us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could receive salvation, and so that we could be set free. And so, Father, tonight we remember... And we celebrate that the good news, it didn't come to people who had it all together. Instead, it came to people who were humble and who were broken and in need. And that's us. And so, God, this Christmas Eve, as we come to the Lord's table and receive Holy Communion, help us to come humbly and help us to receive good news as well. Because, God, tonight as we come, we remember... That on that night before which your son gave himself up for us, he took bread, he gave thanks to you, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body. And we also remember that after the supper was over, he took the cup. He blessed it and gave it to his disciples and said, drink this all of you for the forgiveness of your sins. This is my blood poured out for you. And so God, as we share in this meal This evening, we pray that this wouldn't just be bread and this wouldn't just be grape juice. But God, we ask that you would pour your Holy Spirit on us today and on these gifts. And that you would make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we might be the body of Christ in the world, spreading your good news of great joy for all people. 
Father, as we receive these gifts, use them to help remind us of your good news. Use them to fill us with great joy. And use them to empower us to go out and share Christmas with all people. We ask these things in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, this evening, we're going to close our time together. With